The two things that most businesses need to worry about is, number one, what is the social impact of implementing AI going to be? Which directly means, am I going to lay off a massive amount of people as a consequence of my AI implementation? The second thing that businesses need to worry about is, even if I'm not replacing human beings, but AI is making some decisions in the background or providing recommendations, are those recommendations ethical and are they fair? Hello and welcome to Management Cast, where some of the brightest minds in the business world explain the commercial concepts shaping industry today. This week, we have IMD Professor Amit Joshi back on the show to discuss AI. Welcome. Hey, John. Great to be here. So in last week's show, we spoke about how you can implement AI in the workplace. And I want to start with a question about that implementation process. Because one thing that businesses often seem to struggle with is complacency, resting on their laurels. And we've heard on the show before about firms with the best intentions doing innovative and exciting things before letting those early gains wither away. Would you say that the building of an AI system is an ongoing process within businesses today? Here's the big difference between implementing things like AI and machine learning in your organization versus, for example, the massive ERP implementations, which a lot of organizations did back in the 90s or 2000s or whatever that was, right? So with the ERP implementations, again, these were very big. They were very, very costly. They impacted the entire organizations, but they were kind of one and done. I put in the resources, I put in the manpower and the money to have these ERP put into place. But once I put them into place, they're kind of done. They keep working for the foreseeable future. Once you maintain them, they keep giving you the output. This is exactly how AI does not work. In contrast, AI machine learning are systems which are completely dependent on you continually closing the feedback loop. These systems are only going to work if you continually keep telling them whether they did a good job, a bad job, or something in between. If you continually keep feeding it with newer, more valuable, more pertinent data, and keeping fixing the mistakes that the system will make. Only then will these systems deliver value to you. And this is why it's hard for a lot of organizations to extract value, to extract meaning from these systems, because they think this is a one and done thing. They think they can implement this one time, they can install these systems and then forget about it. I've got a great example where I'm working with an organization that has, has, has rolled out a system which provides salespeople on the field with next best action. So you've contacted this particular retailer or you've contacted this particular client with this particular approach, with a phone call, with an email, with a personal visit, whatever that is, what should be your next best action in order to close the sale? The system is based on past data, but the system only works if the salesperson continually keeps updating the system with what happens next. Otherwise, the system is going to keep giving me information from older data, which might no longer be relevant. So AI, as opposed to the systems that came before it, is completely dependent on continually closing the feedback loop. And so when closing that feedback loop, you're hopefully achieving higher and higher levels of integration, right? AI is providing more benefits to your organization. I kind of want to switch this around. You know, when, when you're looking at bringing in AI, one of the aims that you would have 
is to make systems more efficient and potentially take out some of the decision making for people. Now, of course, that then poses the question, how do you motivate people to give up their decision making abilities or to give up their decision making responsibilities? So, John, this has proven to be challenging for many organizations. There's two levels of problems here. The first is the basic problem that you said, which is, why am I training something which can potentially be a replacement for me? So there's a threat issue. The second is a motivation issue, which is that, yeah, I know this is not really going to replace me. It's probably maybe in some ways going to help me do my job better. But hey, this is just more work for me. And I'm already a busy person. I already have these sales calls to do. I already have these reports to finish. On top of that, you want me now to go back and provide feedback that this AI did a terrible job or a great job on the last recommendation. So the two issues here are threat and motivation. What I have seen is that we need to have a multi-level education across organizations to overcome these barriers. The first thing that organizations need to work on is demystification of this technology, especially with people who are going to use it. It's not enough that senior executives or the management team knows what this technology is. The people on the ground who are actually going to use the system are the ones who need to be relatively comfortable with it. They need to know the system enough that they don't think it's Skynet. Demystification is the critical first step. Once you have demystification, then you need to have, again, enough level of education to convince them of the value of this. So now I told you, look, this is not a threat to you. This is not taking your job, let alone your life. So don't be scared about the system. But then the next thing I need to do to you is convince you that this is actually going to help you. You know, I always like to say that quite honestly, the systems that we have in application, in practice today, should not be called AI at all. This is a bad label because it gives these systems a scary aura of a technology that's either going to take my job or it's going to make me redundant or something even worse. Actually, what we have today is what I would prefer calling IA, intelligence augmentation or intelligence amplification. What these systems for the most part do today is make you smarter, make you more efficient, make you look better. There's nothing wrong with that. I come to any of you and I say, hey, how would you like to become 20% smarter? Who's going to say no to that? And this is exactly what these systems today are doing to us. They are doing a part of what we might do on a day-to-day -day basis, but they're doing it slightly more efficiently, which makes us smarter, which makes us more efficient, which makes our jobs better. Before we continue today's episode, I wanted to recommend another podcast to you, which I think you'll really enjoy. 40 Minute Mentor, hosted by JBM's James Mitra. No matter whether you're just beginning your career, are a startup founder, or are just in need of some career inspiration, 40 Minute Mentor is designed to make business mentorship accessible to everyone, covering everything from the ground up in just 40 minutes. So head over to Apple, Spotify, or any other major podcast platforms and hit subscribe on 40 Minute Mentor. You won't be disappointed. And so if some businesses are going out into their respective areas, implementing AI successfully and leaving the competition behind. The question I would like to know is what are the dangers if you're the other companies? What are the dangers of not considering AI in your industry? You know, if, if, if your competitors are using AI and you are not, it's very, very easy to quickly fall behind in these things. 
The reason is, yes, AI might give relatively small advantages or seemingly small advantages, but A, remember that these advantages add up, and B, remember that the system can learn. What is a small advantage today can very, very quickly in a matter of weeks or months translate into a rather large advantage. Let's take a relatively simple example of optimizing your supply chain. You're still doing it the old fashioned manual way with a bunch of PhDs that sit and optimize your supply chain and your competitor has just started, for example, using some form of machine learning, which at the beginning might look like a lot of investment for not a lot of return. Because sometimes in the initial stages, these systems are actually worse than humans. But remember, these systems get better over time. Humans, well, we learn a little bit, but not the whole lot, especially if you're already at the peak of our respective fields. Over time, these small advantages can transform into material differences and can mean the difference between survival or not of an organization. And you mentioned there the difference between survival or not. Let's look at the converse of that. Are there dangers for businesses to implement AI, but implement it perhaps in the wrong way? Well, the reverse is equally true. We have tremendous number of examples of businesses that's either implemented AI for the wrong reason or implemented in the wrong way, and it kind of blew up in their face. Some examples are borderline funny, except for the millions of dollars that were lost in doing this. Walmart decided that they could actually use a robot to stock the shelves in their stores. Now remember, Walmart, world's biggest retailer, across their stores, they probably have hundreds of miles of aisles with products to restock. There were two problems with this. The AI initially at least was just not good enough in stocking it. And secondly, customers were just not comfortable around robots that were stocking shelves. You know who's really good at stocking shelves? Human beings working on minimum wage. So what Walmart tried to do was to try to solve a really complicated problem when in fact there was a simple solution to that problem already existing for the last 100 years, which is a use of human beings to solve this. So we have lots and lots of examples of organizations that overreached with what AI could do. Probably the most famous one out there is IBM Watson, but there's others out there as well. And so we've mentioned you know, the business side of this, how it can be good, how it can be bad, in certain ways, why you need to keep working to stay ahead, even when you bring in AI. Let's turn to some ethical concerns here. You mentioned there that Walmart had some trouble bringing in AI and robots when they could have just used people. Is there ever a worry about any kind of damage to your business, whether reputational, you know, internally, when bringing in AI systems? Without a question. And the two things that most businesses need to worry about is, number one, what is the social impact of implementing AI going to be? Which directly means, am I going to lay off a massive amount of people as a consequence of my AI implementation? In today's day and age, this is most obviously visible in customer service kinds of jobs, but nonetheless, it's a big threat on the horizon. The second thing that businesses need to worry about is, even if I'm not replacing human beings, but AI is making some decisions in the background or providing recommendations, are those recommendations ethical and are they fair? Those are two different things, right? Because oftentimes what ends up happening is the recommendations are perfectly scientifically correct, but they are just not fair. 
The classic example in this context, Apple, I think it was in the United States, they launched the Apple card, the Apple credit card, pretty standard credit card, and they used machine learning to decide how much credit limit people should get based on obviously their credit scores and histories and things like that. Well, in many situations, what this particular card did or what this machine learning system did is that amongst spouses, the male, the husband, got a significantly higher credit limit than the wife. Now, was that scientifically based on the math? Was that correct? Perhaps. Was that fair? Well, obviously not. And this is something that we have to be very, very careful about when we are implementing AI systems. And so, Amit, what about for business to business? You've mentioned there's some consumer-facing industries. You know, are there also problems letting AI make decisions for you when you're dealing with, you know, internal or, or business-to-business situations? Without a question, without a question. A lot of implementation in business-to-business situations happens in areas like supply chain and corporate finance and even in places like legal. So, for example, in legal, it's now possible to get AI to read through these massive legal documents, these massive contracts that organizations have with one another, especially in, you know, in, in complex dealings and stuff like that. And what this essentially does is lends a complete asymmetry to the negotiations, which eventually leads to massive frictions between organizations. Because a single AI, rightly trained, can go extremely rapidly through complex, massive contracts and come up with loopholes which would be very hard for the other side to close in a relatively short time. So this is indeed causing friction in B2B settings. And just as a final question, we've spoken a lot about you know, how to implement AI, some of the things to watch out for, but one of the pitfalls for all businesses is you know, keeping costs down. You know, if we're talking about staying ahead, how do businesses bring in AI and do that, you know, make it economical? Because I think a lot of people who aren't working in, let's say, the tech industry might be quite wary of just how much it could cost. What organizations, especially today, need to realize is that unless you're operating at the absolute cutting edge of this technology, most of everything else is fairly commoditized, whether it be data scientists themselves or specifically the software, the algorithms behind these machine learning kinds of systems are fairly commoditized. If you subscribe, for example, to Amazon Cloud or Microsoft Azure or the Google Cloud, you probably get these systems bundled with them for free. Then it's just a question of adapting them to your particular use case and start implementing them. So what organizations need to realize is they don't need to reinvent the wheel when they're applying these systems. 99% of organizations are basically going to take a system off the shelf, make some minor modifications, which a reasonably smart set of software engineers should be able to do, and then start applying it. The focus should not be on creating these solutions, but rather should be on seeing how they can implement them to add value. Amit, thank you so much. That is an incredibly useful and insightful way of looking at it. I think there will be many people who are surprised to know just how much AI is playing a role in their industry, you know, how much they should bring it in straight away. And, you know, the fact that they may be able to do this at a relatively efficient cost to benefit ratio. Amit, thank you so much for being here this week. John, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. To hear more expert analysis from IBA IMD, you can search for us wherever good podcasts are found. 
For more to read, you can go to iBuyIMD Online, which offers exclusive business intelligence and interviews with the brightest minds in the industry. Written by experts for experts.